Marty, they have made changes to Dominguez's car. They added a little bit of front wing, took out some rear wing. But to give you an idea of just how precious time is right now, the crew was running with the car, with the crew members literally hanging off the back wing, trying to make the changes as the car rolled to tech. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. So first season of Champ Car comes to a close. Definitely some, some bumps in the road, but you guys were starting to figure it out. Yeah. So... By the close of the 2007 season, as far as you know, 2008, second year of the series, it's going to be a great champ. We're getting ready, planning, testing, booking hotels, looking at the schedule. We're ready to go. Like this is, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to making right on what we weren't able to make right the first year. Exactly right. And then what happened? And then the series filed bankruptcy. It just stopped, ceased to exist. Right. And so we've got, you know, literally millions of dollars in equipment and staff and personnel and sponsors and and all of these items and it just stops you know and so now all of that equipment those cars go from being worth a million dollars a piece to paperweights they're they're nothing you know all the engines are worth nothing it's just yeah all of a sudden we went from being in a position of going racing to we're not going racing anymore and did you have any idea that champ car was about to be got zero none zero none couldn't have been more caught off guard by the whole thing Zero none. How did you How did you first find out? Uh, we got we all got an email. All of the you got teams. An email. All the teams got an email. That's how you find out this hey, thing hey, that you just invested up millions. Over that yeah. is correct. Millions of dollars in your first year of doing this, and an, an e email kills the entire series. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sort of a broadcast email to oh, all. Oh, so it was like a chain. <laughs> Literally, it was no. like to whom it makes. It, like, it was like, yeah, here's the schedule for the weekend, and oh, by the way, oh. <laughs> and the bullet points on the when Yeah, was this? exactly. <laughs> Uh, it was it was late in 2007, so it's going to be, gosh, it might even have been early 2008, somewhere around the winter time of that time. Yeah, because I think Michael Harvey said you guys were testing. So it's around Christmas time. Yeah. So you continue to hate Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas, dude. God damn. Santa Claus. It's not my time of year. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. For Hanukkah, maybe. Be yeah, yeah, you know, I don't think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, not a bad idea. No, not a bad idea. I'm so Tom Figgy. Going into this 2007 season, based on Cal Coven's word at a club in Aspen, put millions of dollars into this series. About 11, I figure, by the time we were done with engines and all the things that we had to buy. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And, you know, with Michael, um, <clears throat> we were none of it was done half-ass. You know, yeah. we didn't get one team jacket. We had travel uniforms and, you know, on-track uniforms and jackets and hats. And I mean, there's everything, you know, all of the equipment was properly labeled and yeah. done properly. We were a proper racing team, you know, it was, it looked, and it looked amazing. It was awesome. Spent a lot of money to do that under the pretense of this is going to be a long-term program. This yeah. is where we're going to be for the next four or five years for sure. Yeah. And then boom, series is gone, done and over with. Right. Tom says, I'm done. <clears throat> we're done. I'm done bankrupt itself we're done so the series maybe is officially bankrupt but really it's part of an overall kind of takeover by the Indy Racing League correct well it wasn't really a takeover it was a give up right I mean basically IndyCar won Champ Car waved the wave the, had it happened the way it should have all of those Panos cars would have been the road course cars. All yeah, yeah. the Delar cars would have been Stupid the oval cars. cars. Yeah, yeah. We would have all had worthy equipment that we had to switch and share with one another. Yeah. And now that's a takeover that helps people out. When they said, all of your equipment's worth nothing, we're going to give you a new car and an old car, 
so that you can make the change into mm -hmm. the series, that was yeah, no moss. And so that was it was it was no good. Let's just do a one minute soundbite just so I have it about what IRL champ car is. Oh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure anybody watching this, but let me yeah. let me introduce it. But yeah. again, this is not something to expound on for right, all no. three of us. Right. Um, I think anybody watching something like this probably knows about the Indy Racing League champ car split, but effectively there were two different IndyCar series happening at the time. So Champ Car, which is what you've been discussing, was, was a series you guys were participating in, but there was this sort of rival nearly all oval-based Indy Racing League, which had the Indy 500, which was the, the, the series that had the IndyCar naming rights. Right. Um, and so this is going on simultaneously. So the expectation is that all of these teams are going to merge into what was effectively the IRL. Correct. It's yeah. going to become IndyCar, which is which was a good thing, right? Um, uh, but the means by which that it happened gave the teams that were already on the IndyCar side of the fence a leg up. And for those of us who were not, you know, it did not. And Tom didn't want to take Alex oval racing. Alex didn't want to go oval racing. That's part of the reason we didn't look at doing that. You know, that's recklessly dangerous. And we didn't we didn't want to do that. That's yeah. not what they wanted to do. I want to just like a two word answer. And Brian's going to start yeah. it. You're going to end it. Specifically, the IRL has what kind of racing? Yeah, I got me him. Specifically, what kind of racing did the IRL do? Primarily oval racing, i.e. the Indy 500. And Tom Figge did not like this for Alex. Did not. You know, it's uh, recklessly dangerous for no good reason. As we talked about earlier, you know, the skin in the game, man, that we're doing this because we want to, not because we have to, right? And yeah. so it just didn't make sense to him to do that. And we had shied away from the ovals from the get-go. That was something that Tom just did not like. It's There had been big accidents in the IRL leading up to this. For sure. And the bottom line is that these kind of speeds and these kind of cars, it is inherently a dangerous thing to do compared to road racing. For sure. For sure. More dangerous than Tom wanted to be a part of. We're sitting here in 2022. Daniel Ricardo is currently on the outs in Formula One. Right. Everyone wants him to come into car racing. And he just publicly said, ovals scare me. Right. I don't want to do it. This is an F1 race winner. Right. So Alex Figgy and Tom Figgy going, not for us. Is It's totally acceptable. Completely acceptable. I understood. I didn't want to. I, I love Alex and Tom Fee. I mean, literally, like, I don't have a career without those guys. I don't want to belt him in that car. Yeah. I don't want to belt anybody in one of those cars, dude. If you want to do it yourself, then that's your own thing. But really, it is pretty freaking dangerous. There's no two ways about it. So they didn't want to do it. So Tom said, we're done. Sell it all. We're done. This is over with. I'm pissed. I've been completely bamboozled by Kevin Kalkoven and this whole thing. I'm out of here. I'm done. And so I'm like, well, man. You know, they've got a they've got a program where we can you know they're offering up a, a free car and a new car and an old car and they've offered up some money and there's some opportunity here to get us to switch, so, well, f so I took a look at the books and we had about eight hundred thousand dollars in debt between Firestone and Honda and I mean actually I thought that would be Bridgestone and it would be um, Cosworth and it would be Dol I mean uh, Panos and all of the different things but we've got a you know, we had traditionally had about between four and six hundred thousand dollars in debt, and mm -hmm. we hadn't been paying anything for a month or so because we were figuring out what we we're doing. So I've got eight hundred grand in debt, mm -hmm. and I got three hundred grand in equity in my home. And eight hundred plus three hundred is one point one. Tom, I can buy this. Thing. I'm going to buy this thing. I'm buying it. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so I go to Tom, and it's, I don't bother talking to my attorney or anything. I don't. That, I'm not going to ask anybody about this because sure, I'm going to get talked out of it, and I don't want to get <laughs> talked out of it. This is a great idea. I'm like, I'm going to buy this thing. So, so I did. So I go to Tom and his attorney, and I say, guys, how about we do this instead of deep six in this thing? I don't want the cars because they're worthless to me. So you take the cars, or I'll do what. But I want all the equipment. I want the trucks. I want the trailers. I want the shop. You know, we're leasing the shop, so it's only the equipment in the shop. We don't own that building, and I want it all. I want all that, and I'll inherit all the debt. And I'll give you 300 grand cash. So that's 1.1 million dollars for all the stuff. 
what do you want to do? And Tom looks at his attorney. His attorney goes, Tom, you got to take this deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, I, so I buy the team by inheriting that debt. And the deal we make then is that Alex is going to come and run Long Beach with me in, our, in the last race because that's the last farewell champ car race. It's going to be the Long Beach Grand Prix because they can't get out of their sponsorship agreements right. and IRL's racing in Japan on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. That's when Danica wins her first let, race. Let me, just for the sake of getting through this edit, um, let me stop you. I, I think because we're mentioning time, you're trying to tell us the whole story at once. I, we need to go the other way. We need to tell this in sections where we ask questions. Okay. Um, so just kind of give me one sentence answers on things, and or, or two sentence, three sentence answers, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Copy. Um, just trust me, there's a logic to what I'm doing here. Got it. How long did it take from Champ Car saying they were folding to Tom telling you he didn't want to be in the sport anymore? 24 hours. 48 really? Like, he was done. It really pissed him off. He's like, are you kidding me? Did you think when you saw that Champ Car was going away that Tom would too? I didn't know. I wasn't sure. You know, okay. I knew that we didn't want to go oval racing, but man, we just have, you know, I mean, holy cow, we've got a, we've spent a million, we've got a big facility here. We've got a lot of people on staff. Yeah. Like, something's got to happen here. So yeah. I didn't really know. You know, yeah. I didn't, didn't know, didn't yeah. know how we were going to handle it. You know, to that point, Tom's just written a check. Yeah. At what point do you start thinking maybe this is something you can take over? It was, it kind of was just the very next thought, to be honest with you. What? So, well, I knew that the IndyCar guys, that there was an offer up for teams to switch over, right? And at that yeah. point, we were the only team that hadn't made a choice, right? We, they, the, what do you mean they, they, they had offered up a, there was an incentive program? There was an incentive program. So when they, when the teams, when the uh, series merged, when IndyCar and, and ChampCar merged, the ChampCar teams that were going to make the switch to IndyCar were guaranteed to get one new car and one old car so they didn't have to shoulder the burden of the purchase of a car for free for free so you would get if you join the new series you would get a brand new chair a chassis allegedly and then however old chassis so you'd have two cars new one and old one so you get two cars they okay. give you and so between that and the equipment that i can get from tom man i've got enough to do this deal i've got mario here who's ready to go yeah. he's got some money from mexico and the tourism board of mexico city yeah this is, I've got a program here. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so we sat around, you know, Michael Harvey, myself, yeah. um, uh, Chris Lurch was another guy that was working with us at that time. He was an engineer from, he was our engineer, yeah. uh, Gerald Tyler. We all sat around and talked about it and it's like, so do you want to do this? You know? And I, and I, and, and, and Chris, the engineer was like, dude, you're stupid. Like, don't do this. This is a bad idea. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, yeah, right. I'm doing it. Right. Uh, Hey, Ryan. Hey. Hey, Sean. If uh, P.D. Cunningham at Real Time Racing called you tomorrow and said, I'm f- <laughs> No. Yeah. You wouldn't? You wouldn't just take it over, huh? Can I get some of those shirts? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. 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 So. Um, Seemed like the right thing to do at so, the time, man. So the, just to be clear, like. Now, remember, everything I've touched at this point has turned golden, right? Like, I can't do any wrong. So you're, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm Tyler Tadovic. I can't. I'm, I'm yeah. killing it. I'm so forever. Just, yeah. It's just to throw out some of the names of, like, the 2008 IndyCar, Indy Racing League ownership group Mm -hmm. you have a guy like roger penske who's incredibly well financed chip ganassi who comes from a lot of wealth the andretti group the andretti group which has no shortage of resources and tyler tadovic barely graduated high school lived in a van yeah Yeah. didn't didn't graduate high school the cool my first team meeting was at watkins Glen after after indy we could but but it was fun to skateboard to my first 
team, IndyCar team owners, many of them come walking in on my skateboard, and there is Roger Penske mm-hmm. and Chip Ganassi mm-hmm. and Michael Andretti and Mario Andretti. And, you know, I mean, like, these these are all these guys, right? Yeah. And I'm in the same room with them yeah. for yeah. the same meeting. Like, what's yeah. going on with here? With a surfboard. Right? With, with a skateboard, with yeah. Skateboard. I'm standing in the back. And so, and then after, and honestly, all I could think about the whole time was like, how am I going to get Roger to sign my skateboard? <laughs> I want Roger Penske's name. Yeah. Just want him to yeah. sign yeah. my yeah, skateboard. Everything's adding up. Yeah, I know. So, I know. Um, See? Yeah, and this is after the 500. Yes. This is yeah. after. Oh, yeah. You no, know it's, the it's already over. Yeah, it's already over. <laughs> it's already yeah. over. Yeah. Maybe I'll get an yeah. autograph. Yeah, this is, All this right. is I'm literally. So, yeah, let's, let's not jump too far ahead. No, so, uh, but that was amazing. So, you sit down with all your key guys in the team, and every single one of them says, this is a bad idea. You do not come from a, the means to make this happen. Right. But you're Tyler Tadovic and you can't fail. Well, no, not, not so much that. Uh, that this was what they said was, uh, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. It's a really poor idea. But if you're going to, I'm in. That was the general consensus I got. Because I said, here's the cards. Here's what we're looking at. And, and I'm, I'm willing to, th- I'm, I'm going to go for this. I want to do it. Are you guys in with me or not? And everybody was. Everybody was in, so they all agreed it was all stupid. Yeah. But therein lies the thing of racing, right? Is that we're 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 doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sean. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I was like, hey, I'm about to try to buy this million dollar. That's thing. a bad idea. <laughs> but if I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Don't know how to run a team with <laughs> yeah. that kind of. You don't. But, know, where, where's if, your money coming but from? But if I do and it all goes south, what happens to you? Oh, yeah. You have to go get a new job? Yeah. Okay, cool. I have to get a real but job. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to owe this million dollars Yeah, or but whatever. I'll have debt from <laughs> not getting paid. Yeah, but, but that's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when they're and all like, I'm credit. in this with you. I'm it's in like, this well, with yeah, you. no <laughs> Because they were like, oh, it didn't work out. Well, I'm going to go to India. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go back to, the, well, to Indiana. And so this, uh, in, in breakfast, the, the difference between being committed and being involved in breakfast, you know, the, the chicken is involved, <laughs> but the pig is committed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> talking about right in breakfast right <laughs> chickens involved in breakfast but the pig's committed what the f- just happened i know i'm the pig yeah i got it i'm baking dude it out. i'm in I'm the reverence. yeah <clears throat> i don't know it's not going in um you know that it shouldn't uh, that's just for us <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> uh yeah okay yeah. so they're in and you've got guys working for you that are saying yes and guys that are saying no but they're all saying if you do it I'm going with you. We're going with you, yep. And it, we really felt like it was it was that or di- disband the team. It was over, right, Tom? It's like, okay, guys, we can either try and press forward with this under these circumstances, either the ones we can, or it's done. And we can all peace out. And, and really, in retrospect, had I done that, you know, I would have gotten a nice severance package, probably a nice chunk of cash, would have had a year to sell off all the equipment to find another place to live and, and work. Like, it probably would have been a pretty nice golden parachute to move from Pacific Coast to whatever the next step was. But when I thought, man, this is, I got to do this. This is destiny and we should make it happen. I don't know, man. I don't even know what I was thinking at yeah, the time. Yeah. It was, this is how we can keep the team together. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to keep this team together. Cause it's what I want to do. And so, and I thought, man, I'll never, when's a guy like me going to ever get an opportunity to be a team owner again? Like this is, are you kidding me? 10 years ago, dude, I was literally a fan. Yeah. And a decade later, I'm a I'm an IndyCar team owner, yeah. a Champ Car team owner. The Eight Mile theme song is playing. We, we don't have the rights. <laughs> really, we don't have the rights. Really, but it's, it was yeah. it was that kind of a thing, right? Yeah. So I just believed strongly that it was the right. That's what I'm supposed to do. So yeah. we did it, and and uh, yeah, didn't work out. Uh, the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you already said this, but let's get it in like a succinct editing yeah. kind of way. A lot of this is for me thinking about the cutting together. Right. How are you going to make these numbers come together? to take over the team never considered it 
<laughs> never considered it. Knew that I had enough to buy the team mm. and knew that if we got to the 500, that I'd have enough to get through the year. We will work on the sponsorship thing with the, with the you know, uh, Mexico City and Tour, Tourism Board of Mexico. Um, Mario was and his manager guy were really leading me down the road of it's going to happen. And it just, I never considered failure was not, an, I'm not going to, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking about that. Why, why it's stupid, but it's the truth. I know you already said this, but I'm going to have you to say it in a quick way. Um, all you've been making is a team manager's salary for the last several years. What was the arrangement to even buy it out from Tom Figgy? Well, so I had the eight hundred thousand dollars in debt that I assumed that the company already had, and from just I, like closing down and having not paid off some of those last couple of bills. That correct. You get when so you're now, a team. now that's my responsibility. So, so I'm calling the all these. Two thousand seven champ card debt of like the last few tire bills and engine lease bills. Correct. And all, that. all of that. That's not been paid yet. Correct. And and I mortgaged my house for every other penny I could get, to get it enough to equal what I would have to have to buy the team. So between the $300,000 in equity <laughs> that I mortgaged my house for uh -huh. and the $800,000 in debt that the team already has, those together make enough for Tom to give me all of the equipment. So you're going to mortgage your house for $300,000? Did. Yeah. And assume. So this isn't money you have. You're assuming bills owed to tire companies and engine leases and all that. You're assuming this debt plus a... a getting rid of your house or mortgaging off your house right and the reason i could do all this because remember i'm the owner of pacific coast motorsports yeah, yeah, yeah. all of these debts are in, in pacific coast motorsports yeah. name so yeah. really i'm already on the hook basically for basically what you're saying is i'll take on the debt so you don't have to pay it and in return i get to keep this equipment all this stuff plus my mortgage on my house which is three hundred thousand. right that's, and what that's I, the plan we're moving forward that's it that's yeah. how i'm buying the team is by basically mortgaging my home and assuming the debt of the company to get all of the equipment and so i have all the equipment now in return for what i just did and now I've got enough to, I get a car and another car from IndyCar, right? But I don't get new cars now because they've given out all the new cars. Because so you two, committed so late. Right. Yeah. So I get two old cars. I get a Billy Boat car and I get a, and, and I get a uh, Billy Boat is a car. driver, by the way, not yeah. just some phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Boat car. And <laughs> I got a real Billy Boat of a car. Fans like, oh, it must be a thing. Yeah, Billy, yeah. Billy Boat the shit out of that. <laughs> Clearly that's not a driver's name. Yeah. Jeez. It's Billy, Billy Boat deal over here. <laughs> So it's like getting Munson almost. Munson, exactly. Yeah, Billy Boater. Yeah, Billy Boater. Yeah, by the old Indy car suit. So you get two old cars because you waited too late to commit. Last because you're trying to put your deal together. Exactly, all last minute stuff. So you're already on the back foot against even the new teams joining IndyCar. Hundred percent. As well as the never seen the car before. We took delivery of the car. After the Long Beach Grand Prix was when we got our first car, and yeah. it was a shambles. So we're going to ask her when she comes on, but let's just ask you as well real quick. What did your wife say when you said, I'd like to mortgage the house and take on $800,000 in debt? No, dude, I got to say, I mean, I said, God bless my mom. God bless my wife, too. She was in. She's like, let's go do it. Whatever you say, let's go do it. I'm supporting. I'm here. Let's let's go do it. So um, I may have... Uh, <laughs> Might have been might have been not a hundred percent specific on the amount of risk that there was, mm -hmm. and and that it was all of the equity that we had in our house and every penny we had in savings, and that I was going 
all in on a champ car program that didn't have a sponsor or an indie car program that didn't have a sponsor or a permanent driver yet yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a few sarcastic questions but i'm looking for short answers yeah. But it's not like you had a young and growing family at the time. No, no, no. I didn't have three kids that were one, four, and seven. You have a one-year-old, a four-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Yeah, correct. And you go all in. All in. On IndyCar racing. <laughs> on, on, on IndyCar racing. Based on <laughs> literally zero sponsors in the line. I told you I don't have a diploma, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. It's coming back to haunt me. Yeah. 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 So you weren't exactly up front on the numbers. But you, you had support from home. I did. I did. And, uh, and and it was blind support, some from her just believing that I could get the job done and we'd had a good run to this point, and some of me just not letting her know that, hey, listen, you know, I mean, what you don't know can't hurt you, so I'm not going to – this is way more risky than you think. But we're going to be fine. It's going to be good. I got this thing, baby. I got it. We're good. You take delivery of the cars. They're not new cars. Not new cars in, in a shambles. We've got a short window of time because, you know, Long Beach is the middle part of April and the month of May is right around the corner. we got to get to Indy and we're still figuring out where we're going to stay. And I'm on a shoestring and I mean a shoestring. Right, because like, you're already over leveraged and you haven't turned a lap. I haven't even gotten to Indy yet. Haven't even, haven't done anything yet. Right. So, so is so your, is, is your, and I'm, I'm not trying not to be funny here, but is your literal business plan for when the tires come or if there's parts you have to replace or you owe a Honda bill for the, I, I will that cross you'll just that take those bridge invoices. when I get to it. Yeah. I will cross that bridge when I get to it. Right now they're going to give me everything I need to get there. So I'm, I got a chip and I got a seat, you know, I'm in the game. And so I'm, I'm, so I'm invoices be damned because you don't have a cent you can put into this. Well, this um, wouldn't be not a cent because I have Mario. Mario's got money coming from the Mexican. Okay, so let's, let's yeah. set that yeah, up. Yeah, then. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So there is yeah. some promise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, let, I don't let, have, let, yeah, let Ryan yeah, ask. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got two cars. You guys are trying to put this thing together, and you have some promise of funding coming from the sponsorship of Mario Dominguez. Correct. Yeah, so we've got sort of a deal put together. Mario and I do. We've locked arms on this thing. He's become the official liaison for the uh, uh, Mexico City Tourism Board, and Tourism Board of Mexico has actually got its nose in the middle of it as well. Mm -hmm. And they're talking reasonable size six or your numbers for, you know, four or five races to finish the year out, looking to next year, that kind of thing. Enough for me to say, let's do it, right? And it starts with the Indy 500. And if we can make the 500, well, you know, that adds, I'm looking at the money from the 500. And I'm thinking, the prize okay, money. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's the prize money from that's enough to fund the next couple of races if you do well enough, you know? So you can maybe get by if this little bit of money that the Mexico City Tourism Board gives you, plus the earnings from Indy 500, finishing that's, that's going to get uh, me to yeah you're not going to you're not going to get out of debt but you're at least going to be able to keep going correct which is the answer right that's all i'm looking to so do is to keep keep, the yeah. keep the team moving so keep it's going. racing as right. long as the sponsorship comes through and you make the race you're going to be fine correct 100 percent. so you're heading into the indianapolis 500 having turned how many laps in this car none we did our rookie orientation and the shakedown of the car on the same at the same time so like literally the first four laps that car turned were in rookie orientation. If he didn't get it, if he didn't pass the rookie orientation, we weren't going to get to race. So yeah. that was literally, that was our first hurdle. That was the, and we have to make this car runnable in time for Mario to be able to do his rookie orientation. That's what, it, and so when he did that, that literally the first four laps that turned were his rookie orientation. Yeah. How many other teams have done that? Or how many other teams did their shakedown laps with their rookie orientation? None. 
Is that common? Yeah, that would be very uncommon. In fact, right. it probably shouldn't have happened, right? Like the right. car should have. The, the, what you do on a shakedown is you drive one lap, you come back in, you take a look at it. You don't do you don't do four in a row at two hundred, hoping that everything yeah. goes together. Because if you don't do it, you're not going to make well, it. Well, you got right. plenty of cash in the bank if you wreck. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's no big deal. This is this is destiny, right? Yeah. It's all coming together, yeah. man. The universe is making sure that this is going to happen. Of course, we did it. Of course, it all's going to happen. But you probably had the same amount of crew members as every other team that was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, about half. <laughs> Yeah, I had I had one the crew this you know and kudos to the guys in the crew guys like Daniel Martin and and and, and Rangi and man and Jim and we got all together and I mm-hmm. said okay guys here's the deal and I laid it out here's where we are here's how much money I have here's what the plan is like no bullshit I'm not lying here's exactly where we are if you guys want to go do something else now's the time because mm-hmm. you still got I've I've got one payroll left in the bank I'm gonna be able to cover the next payroll and after that. I don't know where the next one's coming from. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I was really self-effacing about it. And 80% of the guys said, I'm in. Let's go do this together. And, and, and all of those guys did the last two races without getting a paycheck and, didn't, and never got one, still haven't got one. You probably had as many spare parts as, let's say, Ganassi. Yeah, none. Man, we were begging. I had to go. In fact, the guys next door, so we were in the, in the garage. It was Ganassi, Pacific Coast, Penske. Three. three cars, one car, three cars. That's who we were next to in the garages. And so the Penske guys kept coming over. Dude, they were so nice. They gave us the mirrors because we had to have fancy mirrors because the mirrors we had were the older mirrors from last year, and it's going to cost us three mile an hour, you know. So we got to have these fancy mirrors, and they're like they're twenty five out of the bottom of their twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And they yeah. gave us some wheels. We had to have these fancy wheels. How many of your guys had run the Indy five hundred before? None. The hardest race on schedule. Right. That was our first race, too. The attention to detail and the minutia of of change compared to, say, road racing. It's basically the same, right? (laughs) It's not. It's not? It was really hard, yeah. Really? It was was really hard. So a sixteenth of an inch could make a difference at 230 miles an hour. A sixteenth of an inch could make about 85 pounds worth of downforce of difference at 200 miles an hour, which is the difference between making it through the corner and not. And then the difference, yeah, it makes a big difference. Crazy. That's the difference was that that's that one gurney, by the way, if you really want to whittle it down to the end. But at least your driver had been there before, right? No. No, the first laps he ever turned at the Indy were his rookie orientation laps during our shakedown. Good, good. What, yeah. was, his, what was his feedback from the orientation laps? That was crazy. <laughs> I'm so glad we made it, you know. I'm so yeah. glad the car didn't. But it seemed like, you like know, that it, was. Th- it's as if he made it by completing the most basic of tasks. Right. Yeah. For the 500. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and anybody should be able to do that. But we weren't sure. I mean, we didn't, you know, Sam Schmidt was the one who gave us what settings to put on the car so that we would be able to have a car that could drive around at the speed necessary. I mean, it was, we really had no idea what we were doing. And, and. As much as I want to say bad things about IndyCar, or Tony George, or Brian Barnhart, or that whole thing, man, when we did get over there, those guys did everything in their power to make it possible for us to stay and keep racing. They were not bad guys. So the reason we're here with you today is because here in 2022, only 33 cars ran the race. There was no bumping, but this was not the case in 2008. Correct. Yeah, there were more than, more than 33 cars to make the field. So for that Indy 500... How many cars were trying to make the Indy 500 that month of May? There were 38 cars trying to make the field to 33. So five cars are going home getting zero prize money. Correct. And they all came out with the plan of of making the Indy 500. So So you're not even thinking about the race. 
your number one focus for that month of May 2008 is simply make the race. Make the race. We just want to make the show. We're just here to, to participate, literally. I mean, we, we don't have any grand visions of doing anything more than just making the race. And there's enough, even if you finish last, there's enough prize money from that. And there's a quarter million bucks to take the green flag. So, I mean, that's enough to at least pay for where we've been. And I'm confident that if we can take the green flag, we'll do better than last place. You know, I'm count, banking on it, man. I'm banking on it. Like, I'm literally banking on the fact that we're going to finish 25th or better. 25th, no worse than 25th. That's what why I, I calculated with 25th place money, looking at the budget for the next four races, plus the stipend we get from IndyCar and the other items that we have, that we're going to have enough to be able to make it. So I wasn't just flying blind. I was crunching numbers, but they were not favorable. Well, Michael Harvey was crunching numbers. Yeah, let's be clear. I checked them. I checked his math. Yeah, gotcha. You just had to make sure you got qualified five other cars with no experience, no idea what you were doing, and then finish in the top 25. Correct. Once you made it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to be realistic. Yeah. yeah. So your focus all through practice is qualify for this race. Right. Just make the race. There is one big limitation, and it involves the tires that you've got. 100%. Yeah. And we're limited on the tires that we can spend because we're limited on budget, right? Like, I mean, they, they limit the number of tires that you can buy in the first place, but we're limited in addition to right. that. And those tires are only going to give us the lap, the first four laps one time. So it's not like I've got 20 sets of tires to go do four qualifying simulations to get it just right. right. I've got one or two tries to get it just right. And then I've got to put the third set on that are stickers and I got to go qualify with that. Right. So it was, uh, and Mario was good in the ovals like he was comfortable driving the ovals but yeah i mean we hadn't the engineer never been there right driver never been there so it's not like you can put 12 lap old tires on a car and say okay this is our qualifying setup we've got a sense of what it is right not at all yeah. not at all in fact the car is going to behave differently on the first four laps of the tires and it's going to behave after that entirely so yeah so yeah uh, between resources and just actual physical tires and time to be able to do it right i mean it was raining we had qualifying days that were cut short and uh but I, by the time we got to qualifying, we as a group felt like, okay, we're going to be able to get this car in the race. I really did. And maybe Mario saw it differently from the cockpit because he was the guy actually doing it. But I can tell you the team, we felt pretty confident that we're going to be able to make this race. Then what happened? Well, so then we went on on Saturday morning practice and maybe the car was a bigger handful than we thought. And I don't know if we were on old tires. I can't remember the specific circumstances. I just remember it was toward the tail end of practice and we're waiting for him to come in the pits. And then all of a sudden the course goes yellow and Mara says, I'm in the wall. And, and I thought he was joking to begin with. I, was, I almost came back across the radio and said, you know, that's not funny. But then he was in the wall. He was in the wall pretty hard. So they rolled the car back. And this was about 10 in the morning, I think, on Saturday, something like that. And so we had the day to try and get the car back together. And the objective was to try and get it back to get better in time before the end of the day so we could at least shake it down because we know we're not going to make qualifying today, but we've got bump day tomorrow. So let's try and get at least to a spot where we can get it ready to go. What's the first thing that goes through your mind when you hear I'm in the wall? Not funny. Like, literally, I thought it was a joke. And then the second thing was, holy how am I going to buy parts to fix this car? Like, how am I going to get the parts to fix this car? I, I, I can't afford tires right now. How am I going to get the parts to fix this car? Fortunately, Mario's sponsor at that time, the main guy from Mexico City was there. And some of those funds, you know, I shared this with you guys earlier, but, uh, you know, I would, the, the Mexico City sponsorship was a typical Mexico kind of thing where we got a half a million dollars coming. So here's 300 and we'll get you the other 200. And then the other 200 would never materialize, right? But it was supposed to be coming the whole time. So magically, we got enough money 
he wrote a check for part of the parts that were broken. I did a little shim sham deal. I got borrowed some parts from another team and we got the car fixed and back to go on the track. And Saturday afternoon, we were literally rolling the car out underneath the bridge, going out on the pit lane to go on the track to shake it down. And it's the gun sounded and the day was over. We almost made it for a shakedown on Saturday. So we went to bed that night, you know, went back to the, to the um, garage, put the car on the scales and all of that. But um, we went to bed Saturday night with a car that was going to be on track the next day. And that carbon fiber nose, as we talked about earlier, that, that there it was. So back to go, we're ready to go. So, you know, and we think we were, we even went into bump day think, feeling pretty confident, dude. Like the guys that were at the back of the pack, none of them, Roger Yasukawa was one of the guys, um, uh, the, the, none of them had any speed in their cars. And we, we had some decent speed in our car from before. So we felt like we still got a shot at this thing. So that's, so we came into bump day with, with pretty high hopes. Mario stuffed it in the wall. Um, we've talked about the dead already. Um, how critical is it that you guys just lost a ton of track time and now you have to rebuild something? Hugely critical. As you know, in open wheel racing or in open wheel racing, in particular in oval, it's the sum of many small steps, right? Because you're just eking hundreds of a second out of the car. So the development of the car over the entire month, you know, now you wall the car and you go put four new corners on the car. Man, we're not back to square zero, but we're back to 50% back. Like we got half that work to do again, and we've got one day to get it done in. So Sunday morning, we hit the track, and when we when we hit the track, we were we were well off the pace, and we worked on the car for three or four hours. The big teams will massage every. Com- we call it massaging. The big teams will massage every part of that car. You know, tape up every little seam, do everything you can, every millimeter of the car. You scrub over. You laminate. You do anything you can to get every little bit of speed out of the car. When you're thrashing just to rebuild the thing, and you're bartering with everybody else around the paddock to try and get that car reassembled. How much are you giving up in terms of being able to massage a car? A lot. I mean, at that point, it's just a, it's just a, a deadline race to, to try and get something. We just want to make the field at this point, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a triage effectively so we're doing whatever we can to salvage sort of a weekend stop out the bleeding of, yeah exactly yeah. stop the bleeding 100 percent is triage so a lot of those items that you would fine-tune and really obsess over yeah that doesn't happen at that point yeah exactly right you're just just man there's only one spot and, and it doesn't matter how fast we go all we have to do is beat that mother that's sitting on the bubble right now that's all the faster we have to be so and and so yeah that that was the focus for sure when we hear about bump day what is that that's effectively so uh, the day that they uh, confirm 32 spots of the 33 spots available for the Indy 500, right, on the first qualifying day or the first couple qualifying days. And then on the last day of qualifying, they have bump day, and basically that's for the 33rd spot. That's for everybody else who didn't make it in the first 32 spots. Whoever remains, that last spot is up for grabs, and everybody has a shot at it over that single day. And whoever's fastest at the end of that day gets that last spot. So it's not just Pacific Coast Motorsports. It's four other guys right trying to make this race right and 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 for all of us you know the season kind of i mean like our, our whole thing kind of hangs in the balance you know i mean it's it's pretty important who are the guys you're up against to get in the field roger yasukawa buddy lazier marty roth mad dog yeah max pappas uh and I, I think that's i think that's that would be four cars right there five five would make us yeah mario dominguez it's a spectrum of talent among those guys but at Indy, all of them have a reasonable amount of pace. For sure. Yeah. And they're all uh, uh, successful, accomplished, you know, uh, good race car drivers. I mean, And Marty Roth. And Marty Roth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and You're Marty laughing, Roth. I'm not laughing. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And Marty Roth. 
You guys have thrashed to build this car together. Going into Sunday morning, how confident are you that you can beat these other guys? Not. I mean, at that really? point, we're, 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 I'm, 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 I'm sick to my stomach about the whole yeah. thing, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not even sure. I think it wasn't until Sunday morning that I was able to get the last part to make sure that the car was even going to be all the way back together, right? Because yeah. there were some parts that we've got it mechanically back together. Like, it runs down, but, like... You know, the right window or the right mirrors and the right front wing gurney and the right end fence. Like, oh, you have to have all these little pieces that equal quarter miles of an hour here and there. But they're the difference between the making it and not making it. Right. So gathering up all these other pieces and all, uh, when we finally got to Sunday, uh, I was hopeful when we went out for our first run and we were so far off the pace. I, I thought I didn't think I was I was really worried about it, to be honest with you. I, I thought we were in big trouble. Yeah. So you guys are allowed up to three runs. Well, so the so the way it works is the track's open until someone says we're going to make a qualifying run. So basically it's open track. You can just go out and run. And so in the morning time. how many time, chances do you get to do this? Uh, you can run as much as you want. Oh, you so, can qualify nine times if no, you want. No, no, no. Okay. You can practice as much as you want. Okay. And then you get three qualifying opportunities, right? Okay. But until someone says, I want to make my qualifying opportunity, it's an open track. So there's only five of us trying to qualify, and the track's open in the morning. But if you so, raise your hand and say, we're going to go qualify now, you're only going to get two more chances to do that. Correct. Okay. And the track shuts down, and everybody has to stop testing, and you get to go do your four-lap run. Tell me about that first run, like a little bit slower in terms of, like, you go out, he does a lap, you're just like, we're in trouble. Yeah, when we went out to run, we picked up a big wind, headwind on the back straight as well, which cost us about four mile an hour on the back straight. And so on the first run that we did, you know, uh, I had been seeing we were well in the field the day previous before he had crashed the car. So we were five miles an hour off of where we were the day before, four and a half miles an hour, something like that. So way off. Like, I mean, we got we've got a bunch of time to pick up to make it better. Um, and I wasn't sure where we were going to find that. Right. I mean, the car was just. We were starting back from square zero, basically, and so all those little adjustments that we'd made needed to be made again. Right. So, but you've got weeks to do it. Yeah, we've got one day, right? And you've got a few hours. Yeah, exactly. It's ticking off. I mean, it's six o'clock tonight. This is all done and over with. And the one upside was that most of the other guys were not very fast either. They were at the tail end of the field. They weren't very fast. So, so we go. We do our first run, and and we're 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 three and a half or four miles an hour off the pace, and we're not going to make the field. And I think we you only get three chances in any case. But I think we waved it off after the third lap because it just was obvious we're not going to make it. Come back in the pits, and so then we spend another couple of hours developing the car, just doing laps and making it better, and doing this and doing that. And so then finally uh, Mario says. You know, I think I think we're good. I think we've got enough that we can make it. Gerald says the same thing, and so now this whole process, all I'm hearing is different, newer and newer sets of tires. Um, we probably went through three sets uh, in the development part of that right there, and we had five that we could have for the day. Basically, is what was what we would have. And at this point, and luckily you can afford all of this. Well, here's the thing: is that I'm thinking to myself, I don't really care what we have to spend to get in the race today, because if we don't get in the race, it doesn't matter in any case, right? Yeah. So I'm 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 pretty much. <laughs> Regardless, I'm not, there's between man, three grand over and ten grand over. One hundred percent. That's literally as stupid as it sounds. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly where yeah, my mindset was. Yeah, yeah, so let's yeah. let's do this. Yeah, so yeah. so I just want to make the race, and whatever we got to do, that that's what we got to do. So I wasn't as concerned about you know, and I'm a racer. Uh, you guys are racers. So my 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 um, the dollars into things that doesn't come into play until until the the racing part is done. At the moment, I just want to make this event. Yeah. That's the a number one thing. Yeah. And whatever we got to do to do that, well, that's justified. To me at the moment so let's do it so now it's time run number two yep. you've got to make this show how does it go uh, so we sent him out there and uh 
and uh, he does good. He does good. Definitely picked up a headwind on the back straight again. We left probably, a, I don't know, a mile and a half of an hour out there on the average. But it was more than enough to bump the car that was on the bubble. I don't remember even who that That's was. Fine, if you don't know, just, just keep moving. Bumped them and, and, and put us on the bubble. It was probably about 1 or 2 in the afternoon when we, when we put on the bubble. We're in the race. So you're in the race. It's 2 in the afternoon. You make the race, but you are still at the cutoff point in terms of speed. Yeah. Uh, is it a sigh of relief or is it? Well, we're on, we're on the bubble, right? So I think we've got a car, and based on what the other four cars that we're running against have been doing, we, we're pretty comfortable. Like, we've got them by two or three mile an hour, and so we're going to sit on the bubble and, and wait it out. And, and so that's what we do. Because you've you know? still got one more run if something goes wrong. Correct. And you think, and now do you know what you can do if you need to make a change? 100%. That's where we are, right? So we know, okay, we should have done, we learned this, we learned this. If this happens, we're going to go to this gurney, we're going to make this wing change, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and be all ready to go. Yeah. So game plan we're ready to go right yeah. but you can't touch the car it goes to park ferme right so you can't touch. oh i didn't know that yeah it goes i literally goes sits on a, on a on a stand it goes sits on a stage literally and there it sits and you can't touch it until it's time to go out until you get bumped off the stage yeah. by somebody else so once you make the cut and you're in the show if you're what we call on the bubble you're in the show you can't touch your car to stay ahead of the changes correct so you may have set up changes that you want to make to the car if someone goes faster than you, but mm -hmm. you're not allowed to make those changes until you can't touch the car. It's literally as, as if you finished a yeah. race. Yeah. It's gone to park frame. It's, it's sitting tech. in tech right. yeah. and you can't touch the car. Yeah. So and from two in the afternoon until six, there's a lot of changes going on track. A lot of things you need to adjust on the car to stay ahead of it. Correct. But you can't touch it unless you are bumped from the race. Correct. Yeah. So we sit and wait. And and the day goes on and no one has a chance and it's and we and we're forgetting to be it's getting toward the end of the day and we're getting pretty comfortable like we're, we're, we're we should be in the show and then you finally get bumped. Yep, Buddy Lazier, <laughs> asshole, out of nowhere. <laughs> God, nope, nope, not us. Sorry, we're fine, Buddy Lazier, sorry. he's fine. Yeah, and guess, you know, and actually, he's a great guy, real a really great. Yeah, yeah, real piece of cuts, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> asshole uh yeah buddy comes pulls four laps out of his ass like does what a guy like that can do and 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 qualifies for the indy 500 and beats and knocks us off the bubble it's 5 30 and the day's done at six and you're out and we're out we're done so at this point we've got to we've got to make some adjustments to the car we've got one yeah. run left we've got 30 minutes to make this happen so to me two things happen to you simultaneously one it just became real you're not in the race right uh, which I know you were thinking this prior to that, but now you are not in the race. Not in the race again. So forget the setup changes. What's going through your head in terms of this? Well, I'm in the moment, right? So it's like we didn't get the race, but we know what the game plan is. So it's straight to game plan mode, all right, guys? And and and, and no time to think about the other. No shit. time to we think about it. We got to make this car. Let's make the changes we got to make. Let's uh, the, the 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 objective is to get this car back on the track and make this race. So that's basically what it went to. Was immediately, what do we head have to down. do? Head down. Let's get this car ready to go. So so that car had been frozen in park for me because you weren't allowed to touch the car until you got bumped. Buddy Lazier bumps you. Now you can make adjustments and go make your run. Correct. But you've got minutes because at 6 o'clock, the gun, as we call it, goes off. And what does that symbolize? The end of the day. That's it. That's no more qual runs. Qualifying is over, and, and where you are is where you are. Exactly right. Yeah. So we've got about 30 minutes to make some 
uh, it's a reasonable change mm-hmm. to the car. There are a few things we wanted to do, mm-hmm. but get it warmed up, get tire pressures right, and all of these things in oval racing become ten times more critical. You know, I mean, a, a half a pound of pressure difference in a right front tire is the difference between it working and not working. Yeah. Like it's it's a big deal. Yeah. So we're measuring tire pressures down to the tenth of a pound. You mm-hmm. know, we've got some very important small adjustments to make to the car to get a little more speed out of mm-hmm. it, so we can bump Buddy and get our spot back. So we're hurriedly doing that. So what are some of the changes you wanted to make? We had a couple of, oh, there were a couple of small wing angle changes that need to be made. There was a right front camber change, a small shim change that was going to be made. We were also, there was a couple of tire pressure changes, but the gurney and the uh, aero package were the biggest changes that we were going to make. So the gurney so, being a strip on the rear wing. Correct, exactly. Which and has a lot of influence on your overall speed and handling. Huge amount of influence, yeah. right? And this is, a, you know, at a 200 miles an hour, the car is aerodynamically balanced. So literally the front wing and the rear wing are, are balancing the car, right? So when you make aerodynamic changes, you have to make changes to both ends of the car to maintain that balance right so that's what we were rushingly doing we yeah. wanted to take a little bit of arrow out of the front and so in order to take a little bit out of the front we need to take a little bit of arrow out of the rear simultaneously right and so that was a gurney change normally when you do those setup changes you do them in the garage you have the area to yourselves how long would it take Probably an hour. Okay. You know, roll it up on the scales. Probably about an hour, something like but that. But you're on pit lane, and it's chaos. It's chaos. How we, long do you have now? 30 minutes until the 6 o'clock gun sounds. So you have less than 30 minutes to make what would normally take an hour. Correct. Well, that's just the changes. I was going to say, you got to get in line. we gotta, we got we to belt our boy in the car. Yeah. The engine has to be warmed yeah. up. Tire pressures have to be set. I mean, there are a number of other things that have to happen in addition to these small setup changes that we want to make, right? And we've got 30 minutes to do it. And that's 30 minutes to gun sound. So, I mean, we need to be pulling out on the track. So it was, it was bedlam for sure. I mean, we had guys literally laying on the car making adjustments. I was sitting on the cockpit belting Mario in while he's warning him about the car. And then we're pushing it down the pit lane. And it was so cool. All of the other teams were lined up down the pit lane, right? And they're screaming for us. They're yelling like, go, 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 go. It was it was a really cool moment, right? So you're making, you know, 16th of an inch kind of changes while you're rolling a car down pit lane. And warming it up and, and, and the chaos of all is exactly right. And guys are, you know, trading gurneys out for different size gurneys. And, you know, I mean, we get the car up and the wheels come off. We make the small caster. I mean, that camera change up in the front. And it was just, it was working as quickly as we could. And meanwhile, you know, Brian Barnhart standing there watching his clock and watching us. And, and as it comes right up on the 6 o'clock hour, you know, the car rolls up onto the presenting stand. Brian says, okay, you're free to go. And up he pulls onto the track, you know, and bang. Like, literally, as he's pulling up on the track, ka-chung, the 6 o'clock gun sounds. Do you normally make arrow changes with a car rolling down the paddock? No. Right. No, you don't normally do any of that stuff, right? Like this was in the very last minute. This is cowboy in it. This is cowboy in it for sure. And and, and we got to do what we got to do to make this race, right? So it was, you know. And I, any other team would have done the same thing. But you just, you've got these changes have to be made. You've got this window of time to do it, you know. And that's the is thing what about it. Is. Yeah. I mean, in racing, people talk about hard and fast deadlines, right? And you don't really know what a hard and fast deadline. <laughs> the race is on Sunday at 2 o'clock, buddy. And so if it's whatever you're doing, we're racing yeah. at 2 o'clock on Sunday. That's how it goes. Yeah, I'd say a gun going off because you have over a million dollars in debt is a, is a pretty good deadline. Yeah. 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 Well, and that was it. You know, I mean, I was, I was quarter million bucks close to 300 in just from the previous wreck to get out there and, and do it with our tires and all that. So, but I'm not thinking about any of that debt right now. I'm thinking about, man, we got to make this race. Right. And so he, so there he goes. He leaves pit lane. The gun goes off. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? We're in or we're out. First of all, I can't believe, you know, I, we're in like we're in. I don't know. There's a radio broadcast where I say, okay, dude, it's in your hands. Like, this is it. We've done everything we can, and we're, we're, this is it. It's all, it's all up to you now. And he pulls out, you know, and, and, and uh, he pulls out on the course, 
and uh, I see Roy talking to one of the other mechanics um, uh, and they're talking about something and I'm not sure what they're talking about and I find out later what they're talking about but uh, it was a mad rush to get the car and it's like guys go 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 okay go go Mario you go and, and literally guys were like jumping back off the car as the car took off so as the car rolls out um, I see Roy have a conversation with somebody and, and the car pulls out and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, we're, we're either in or we're out. He's got his outlap. So he goes out and comes by his first time and he's at full song, right? And, 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 and w w things are going okay. Morrow hasn't radioed anything in this dastardly, you know, and, and we're just, we're all pens and needles quiet. We've got, we got four laps to do now. So he goes on his first lap and as he comes by, lap one goes great. He comes across start finish after lap one and we're probably a mile an hour up almost over where we were from the previous time. Yeah. And you're clear. Wind's calm and we're clear. We're in this race. You are you you beat Lazier's first we lap. We are easily on in this pace. race. All we have to do is maintain the same pace and we are in the race. And 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 I and we even I can remember Bud saying on the scoring stand, that's all we need. That's all we need. So we're in. So Ronnie goes, first first time by, right? <laughs> Feeling good. You're in the show. In the show in the show starts his second lap and as he goes through the second lap you know and, and we're watching him on the screen and all of a sudden you see just the yawing all in the car start to go like this and then you hear it right <laughs> bam right and and we're watching it and, and he hits the wall and he kind of goes sideways it ends up the, the car kind of almost flips over right it comes up and lands back down and that's it dude there's the car broken, and I'm not even computing anything at this point. Like this is not even happening. How the how is this even possible? Like we've we've overcome so many things to this point that this is this is you know this is destiny, right? It's meant to be. We're gonna we, this is gonna happen, and that's not it, you know. And Michael comes on the radio and says, Mario, you know, you okay? You're okay? And it's just dead silence for a long time. And then finally, Mario comes back over and says, Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. And we're f***ed. And that was that. And it was. It was surreal, man. I don't even. It was. It was the most surreal moment because it was so this culmination of all of this work and all these things that we'd all worked so hard, and a lot of guys had, um, you know, to their credit, thrown. They were all in with me, right? I mean, uh, the only difference between the amount they were in and the amount I was in were zeros at the debt end of the column because at the end of the day we all had to go find another job. I mean, all none of us had a paycheck to. F paid so it, the the risk was higher on my end of things for sure but the 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 actual um fallout of of it happening was no different i just i, I lost my job like everybody else did it was it, it sucked but um uh, yeah i don't even really know how to say it it was just uh it was surreal couldn't believe it after it was done and they loaded the car up you know we all stood there in the pit lane and just kind of tried to take it in and then we headed back to the garage and we got back to the garage shut the garage door you know and I mean I sat in that room with 25 grown men and we cried like babies we cried like little babies I mean like open sobbing like man I can't believe it we're done and we all everybody knew everybody knew that was that you know so we didn't make the race we had a couple of sponsors that needed to make there and so uh, Cal Coven had a team and with Vassar at that point and so they gave me their engine cover to be able to put a couple of my sponsors on so I was able to meet a couple of my commercial agreements that was pretty decent um, 
uh, and, uh, and, and IndyCar came in and helped. I mean, we made three or four more races after that. I think I did like three more races that we made, but that was, that was, that was the end right there, you know? And, and it was, uh, man, it sucked. It was like a major heartbreaker. What was the, what was the first like moment of realization that, okay, I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. Uh, it was actually during the Indy 500, to be perfectly honest, right? And so I had to go meet our sponsors at the Pagoda uh, because uh, we had people that were coming as guests. We were spending I mean, the race was the next week, so we were supposed to have. So I had sponsors there, so I went and met them at the Pagoda and you know schlepped them around for the race for a little bit, and and uh, and then finally when I was done with those commitments, I went to the top of the Pagoda because I was an owner, so I had a little fancy car and I got to the nice spot up there, and it's an open bar up there, and I sat at the open bar for the last half of the race and just got obliterated drunk. I'm not even sure how I got back to the apartment. Someone put me in an Uber or something. I don't even. I, I, I 2008 Uber. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would have been. It would have been. It would have been. Was it Uber? No, no it would have been a cab. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a cab. Someone yeah. put me in a cab. Yeah. yeah. It was a misery. So it was about. It was about. It was the next week that I realized that it was that the that the fallout was going to be significant, and uh, and yeah, I actually started started pointing things in that direction. This whole 2008 journey. Um, was led by this sort of almost like belief in destiny that this is going to work out and this is my chance and it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. And you put beyond everything on the line for it. And as you get into that month of May, everything is about qualifying for the race. And now the blinders are on that we're going to make this race. Right. From hitting the wall to talking to your guys, when do you realize, oh, this is not the, the script I thought I was signing up for? Um... When he crashed on Saturday, you know, really up to that point, everything had kind of gone our way, you know, even the, the last moment, you know, qual you know, doing rook orientation and the shakedown of the car, all the dominoes had just fallen our direction. Even at the last minute, we still ultimately got the result that we needed. So uh, the answer would be on that Saturday when he crashed the car and we, and we didn't make qualifying and now we're having to go to bump day, like all of a sudden the armor... The chink in the armor was showing. But even then, the blinders are on and get the car fixed. Let's let's worry about how to get the four fastest laps on Sunday. That's the beauty of racing, right? Is that you can get so wrapped up in meeting that deadline, you can't see the forest for the trees. I was so wound up with just the objective at hand that the bigger picture items didn't mm -hmm. come into play until, until I had a chance to think about them for sure. So you guys are back of the garage, cars in a pile of bits. You're not going to make the race. What's the conversation that comes to mind that Roy was having earlier? Well, we wanted to figure out why, uh, what what happened, you know, what, why did the car spin? Because he was flat, you know, we were in the short shoot between one and two, and the back of the car just it just came around on him, and and it didn't make sense that that, that shouldn't have happened. He was going straight. He wasn't. There was no even slip angle in the car, right? He just exited the turn, um, and what we came to find out was uh, there was a gurney that was missed on the lower rear element. It, it hung upside down. It created about. 80 pounds 75 pounds of downforce at 200 miles an hour uh, that it didn't have in the back of the car and at that rate that was just enough of an arrow imbalance that the back end stepped out and and he couldn't catch it and and that was that and um roy was talking to one of the mechanics one of the mechanics was saying dude i missed that gurney i didn't get that on there we had to, you went too quick i wasn't done yet i missed the gurney and 
I think we would have had time to actually put it on there if we would have just taken two more seconds to do it. But in our haste and in, uh, yeah. Yeah, just, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, just yeah. go. We got to go. We're not going to make it. You're we doing go. an hour of changes to make the Indy 500 in 30 to 45 minutes on a very busy pit lane. Yep. And we missed, we missed, we missed one spot and, and, uh, and, you know, God bless Mario. I mean, we looked at the data, you know, I mean, and his right foot didn't come off the off the floorboard until, I mean, he was like 25 degrees of slip angle before his foot finally lifted. So he was not going to lift. And we almost made it, man. Almost. It was close. So one of the advantages in, in Mario Dominguez as the driver going into the 2008 city is this connection to the Mexico City Tourism Board, which through a guy that helped manage him, um, you guys were pretty committed to the idea that you had this x amount of money coming in yes as i understand it it was a not a big indycar level of sponsorship to begin with but it was coming in increments and this was part of your game plan correct i was getting a couple hundred grand at a shot and so and it was going to ultimately culminate in about 800 or 900 thousand dollars total in small little piecemeal six-figure summaries this is just enough to maybe get you through payroll at best literally like getting through payroll or we're going to buy tickets for the next race and cover the hotels type thing like it was it was not a a ton of cash but enough and you're over leveraged so if this does not come in I genuinely don't know how you were going to cover payroll or buy hotels for that. Matter. Can't buy tickets to go to the race. Like that's part of like the reason I think, can't afford airlines. That's part of the yeah. reason I think I got the funds from those guys was because they understood that that guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being a jerk and not covering you. I'm not physically capable of doing it. So you can either send the money and we can go to the next race or not. And that's kind of how it went. And so, and was the funding dependent upon you making events? Um, it was dependent upon at least us showing an improvement in competitiveness for sure. Uh, and the numbers were small enough and really everything was trying to point toward, let's get through this year and try and get to 2009 yeah. is what we were hoping. Yeah. For. Mario made a point to say that if you guys made the 500, you were guaranteed X amount. And if you didn't make the 500, you didn't get certain money. Uh, is that correct? Or? It is correct. I, I, I don't know that I believe that we would have gotten the money had <laughs> we made the 500, Fair. but yeah. yes, that well, was something that was said after, after word. Well, if you guys had made the 500, you know, there was going to be this much okay. more. Okay. okay. Well, okay. We didn't copy. So you, there were certain deadlines these these increments of money were supposed to come through. Correct. And all of a sudden it sounds like they don't. They don't, or they come light. You know, I'm supposed to get 200 and I get 150. But or, it was on time? Or it uh, was 150 and it was three days late. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's, and it was 10 phone calls. And it's and not like you have any credit line anywhere at this point that you can cover costs that they don't send you money not at all no way dude i mean i'm hand to mouth literally like it's it's it either you either send the money or we can't buy the tickets we need to go to the race that's 100 percent it and this is all heading into the month of may so after indy works out the way it does what happens oh man i'm we're basically out of business at that point i go to brian barnhart and the guys at indycar and and they know my situation and what's going on i am in fact still a viable team i've got a driver i do have a little bit of money still you know mexico city's still giving us a little bit of money mexico's still giving us a little bit of money and there are a couple of events that they want to try and do the road courses is what we're going to try and do so we go to indy then we go do texas after that nearly write the car off at texas as well nearly write the thing off he spins coming down the back straight and takes off the rear end fence on the wing uh, but doesn't hit the car so we parked the car at that point we're like we're only going to do road courses at that point right and so we went and did Watkins Glen and then we went and did Sonoma and Sonoma ended up being our last race and we were getting stipends from 
IndyCar to do that. In the meantime, you and I were working pretty strongly on a program for the following year with FAMSA and some other stuff. So that was the that was sort of what was keeping me going was that, okay, I've got this Mexico City thing. There's possibility more money coming from that. But I have a much bigger thing working on on the side that's got legitimate commercial opportunity. Like this is, this is a proper IndyCar deal. We're going to actually go do this properly next year. And so it was a matter of just keeping everything on the island or in between the ditches until that could come to fruition. But it didn't. It did not. Living on the come. Imagine that in racing. Living on the come. And that's what we did. It did I don't come know what that means, and I'm not, I'm not asking. Living on what's, what's, what's supposed to be oh, showing up. Say Li- that, then. Li- living on what's coming. Living on j- Living living on yeah. what's coming yeah. versus living on what yeah. you have, right? So let's you know? try that again real quick yeah, and right, make it really yeah, dramatic. All right, yeah, yeah. So just trying to live on what's coming, right? Living on what's going to come yeah. versus living on what I have. And and uh, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't but the, enough. The FAMSA thing didn't come together. It didn't, you know. And Sean uh, and the media barons and myself, we worked. Man, he did an amazing. Best presentation, according to IndyCar, because mm-hmm. we hadn't representatives from IndyCar meet us in Mexico City yeah. or in Monterey yeah. to make this presentation. Yeah. Best presentation I've ever seen. We got the yes, got a handshake, yeah. got a letter of intent. And then fast forward 90 days in 2008 is when the bottom fell out of the economy and FAMS's share went from trading at $42 a share on the Mexican stock market to like $6 a share. And they just said, sorry, not going to happen. And that was that. That was truly the end of it then. So... Part of the deal was you guys make the 500. The Mexican Tourism Board can then use that to promote their entire campaign. 100%. You don't make the 500. The money stops showing up. Yeah. It starts to trickle in much more slowly, you know. And had it not been for Mario's major influence, it would have stopped altogether. Yeah. So uh, it was a big black eye for, you know. The way things work in Mexico is different than they work here, right? And it's a lot more personal stuff. And so the guy who stuck his neck out to make the program happen on behalf of Mario was now had to go stand in front of his superior, us, after us having not made the 500. And I think some of the money that was going to be dedicated to the car after we made the 500 ended up going back to this guy to keep the program running at all. So that classic racer story where one domino falls and a bunch of dominoes fall in terms of the finance. Yes. The, the sponsor now all of a sudden miraculously starts finding reasons to not pay you because ultimately you didn't make the show. Correct. Yeah. yeah I kind of didn't do what they hired me to do. So they kind of didn't pay me for what I wasn't able to do. You know, I mean, it's as, as shitty as that sounds or as much as that hurts to say, you know, that's what we were commissioned to do and we didn't get the job done. And, and then there you go. And it, it truly was catastrophic. I mean, uh, you know, uh, not just what it, what happened in regard to, you know, the team and that weekend and all of that, but, I mean, the fallout from it was, I mean, it gutted me. I went from being easily the most confident guy in the paddock that we could get the job done to, man, I mean, I was worried about being able to get a $50,000 a year working at FuelSafe, you know, almost yeah. didn't. I mean, right. it was, yeah, a big change. So you guys run a limited program. Where are the guys in all this? Because to me, as soon as you don't make the 500, you know, you had – you had two things that this was contingent on purse money from the 500 right. and a sponsor meeting its obligations to barely make the rest of the year. Right. You didn't even know the sponsor wasn't going to make all of its arrangements for yep. you. Um, but now, you know, the prize money is coming in at what point for you and the guys, is it clear this is not going to be a good thing? It was, uh, hmm. I mean, I think it was clear to some of the guys pretty early. As soon as we didn't make the 500, I think most of the guys had a pretty good idea what was going on. And, uh, 
It was the opportunities that existed outside of uh, the, the whole FAMS opportunity and some of the other things that we had going on that were possibilities that gave me the impetus to go to these guys and say, guys, I, I, you know, the whole time I was just telling them the truth about where we were and what was going on. But, man, I would put, I'm a timeshare sales guy, right? So it was the truth, but it was a positive spin on the truth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. guys, I believe we're going to do this, and I'm all in, and are you in with me, you know? And absolutely, all for one, one for all, you know? And, and you were the best weekend in February. Exactly. In Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just see yourself? <laughs> Can't you just imagine? Oh, God, it got real. <laughs> as a member today, what this means to Yeah, no, yeah, all of it just turns right yeah. on. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the simple thing was is, is uh, I started seeing guys kind of fall off one at a time as another opportunities came available. And by the time we got to uh, Sonoma, it was, it was pretty much writing was on the wall at that point. And so, um, yeah, a lot of the guys went. I mean, that was it. That was our last race. You know, the guys grabbed their toolboxes, got all their stuff out of the shop, and and I was sort of left sitting in the shop with a bunch of equipment that was not worth very much. You know, I didn't own the car, so IndyCar came and took the cars back. And then, uh, and then with all that equipment, um, I uh, I called Sam Schmidt and my main man Sam, who I owe a debt of gratitude and a thank you to in a big way. He came in basically as a white knight and said, "Okay, I'll buy all of it from you, and here's one check for all of it." And he sent his trucks out and picked up all of the stuff, all of the scales and timing and scoring stands and all of that equipment that's worthless to anybody except for a guy like Sam Schmidt, and picked it all up and bought it from me and took it all back out to Indy. And I took that money and I stuck it in a bank account and filed bankruptcy and was able to file bankruptcy on most of all of the debts that I had, the tax debt you can't file bankruptcy on. I was able to, several years later, work out a deal with the IRS with the money that I had saved from when Sam had bought the stuff and ultimately um, walked away from it, losing everything, but didn't have any ongoing, I don't have any residual debts that I carry from that. Yeah. So it's it's all been put but to how bed. long did it take to, to cover all of that, like time-wise? A decade. <laughs> Eight years. Eight years, pretty much. By the time the IRS was paid off and all yeah. of it, it was it was about eight years. So and it's eight years of rental houses, taking jobs you don't want, you name it. Doing whatever I got to do, yeah. You know, I mean, when the, when it failed, and I moved back to Bend, so my Bend, Oregon's my hometown, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Fuel Safe is manufactured in Redmond, which is just a stone's yeah, throw from yeah. Bend, and so that was my gig. Was I moved back home, borrowed some money from my mom. I was literally borrowing money from my mom to feed my kids, and months earlier. You're an indie car team owner. Yeah. With Chip Ganassi and Roger Penske. As neighbors. Six and months later, you're in Bend, Oregon. Borrowing money, money from my mom. mom to feed my yeah. kids and going to Fuel Safe and interviewing. And that, that was an interesting interview because, you know, you roll across the old resume and they're like, huh, so what'd you do before this? Uh, indie car team owner. Yeah. They're like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And now you want to schlep fuel cells for $50,000 a year in Redmond, Oregon. I'm like, yes, sir, I do. Can I would I, love to. Please have I May I please? Yeah. Yes, may I please? Yeah. 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 That was it. How did, uh, how did your family handle all this? I mean, they're watching this thing on TV when you don't make the race. Yeah. And they're watching you file bankruptcy. I can't imagine there was a lot of fun at home with mom and dad. Um, you got three little ones, right? You know, the kids, so the little ones don't know the difference, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they don't care. They, they don't know whether they live in a big house or a small house. But you knew at 10 years old when things were bad. Yeah, I did. So you don't think they know? No, they knew. They knew. I think they just, you know, what are you going to do? 
right? I think they soldiered on. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to, you have to ask them how they thought about it, right? Because for me, it was just, okay, I mean, the next order of business is I got to get a job and I got to feed my wife and kids and I got, I got, I got responsibilities to take care of here. So I didn't really take too much time to think about it, to be honest, but it was probably sucked a lot for them. I mean, we lost our house. So we uprooted from our house, had to move to a, a whole nother new town and knew this and knew that. And dad, you know, we went from, I, yeah, it was, it was a tough gig, man. It's, it, it sucked. Um, it's all just stuff though. And I guess the one big thing is that, you know, I, I my wife's hot dude and I got three amazing kids and, and, and no matter how much money I do or don't have, those things are going to stay the same. So I really, it was, uh, I was never, how should I say it? Never for one minute did I think that it was going that the failure of the Champ Car team and that whole end of things ever meant that it was going to be the failure of my marriage and the failure of all those kinds of things. That that was never in question, at least for me. You know, I have to let the wife speak to it furthermore. But they they just troopers, dude. They were just along for the ride, and we're going to do this all together as a family, no matter what comes. And so that was that part of it was cool. Like I think it actually made us stronger. We're gonna get her take yeah, on that. Yeah, like it was not fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was. Yeah, it yeah. was misery for her. So you know? just to wrap this out, then we'll go. Um, uh, we're sitting here 14 years later. Right. Seems like you're okay now. Better now, for sure. Yeah. Better now. You know, uh, super fortunate to have landed in a spot where the pedigree of the things that I did formerly in pro racing those experiences and, and, and contacts and all that can you know now equal doing what I do now and as I was sharing with you guys earlier the coolest thing about this job now is that it's a lot more fun it's way less stress it's you know and, and I get to work with guys who are literally out here my job by definition is to show these guys a good time and and that was you know IndyCar was definitely not a good time if you go back and do it all over again what would you change you know what? I don't know that I'd change any of it, to be honest with you. I don't know that I'd change a goddamn thing. Uh, maybe uh, a couple of choices that I made I might do a little bit differently. But as far as going all in or trying it again, man, no way. I wouldn't change any of it. That was amazing. Was, the whole thing was a lot of fun. I mean, it was – who gets to do that, you know? I definitely want to get your wife's take on that comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So you left. You moved to Bend, Oregon to basically sell fuel cells as a car team owner. Uh, we're, we don't need to go through every year of your history since then, but effectively you've fallen through a series of different events into now you, again, are back to owning a team. Yep. Um, it's here in the sports car world that we work in, and you're basically running what we call an arrive and drive team, which means you basically provide customized programs to individuals that can afford it, and they go out and they run whatever sports car series they want to run in. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's basically it. So uh, my deal is I take care of the wealthy man or woman whose hobby is racing cars. So if that was you, you'd buy a Porsche and you'd give it to me and effectively you'd arrive and drive. So everything that needs to happen between now and then, that's what we take care of. That's exactly right. And it's a good gig, man. It's a lot of fun. Do you miss the Indy cars? You know, uh, a little bit sometimes, the real competition of it. That's the thing I miss the most about that level of racing It's just that uh, a win at a professional level really means something amongst the people that you, amongst your peers, because every one of your peers tried their hardest to do that and they failed and you didn't. So a win at that kind of a level or a success at that level is fulfilling from a professional standpoint, but um, uh, from a fiscal standpoint and from a longevity standpoint, the direction that we're going in now is quite a lot more equitable and uh, and I don't miss it very much. Mm -hmm. I don't miss it very much. When you have a mechanic that's having a bad day or has a bad attitude just because, you know, 
long hours or something like that, do you kind of laugh to yourself because you've seen the worst of the sport? Kind of, you know, uh, it's what I laugh about more is when I, when I watch one of my wealthy gentlemen who comes out and, you know, and is just beside himself upset because he's five tenths off the pace, you know, <laughs> and then here we are, we're at the thermal club, you know, yeah. and you're running your million dollar race car and we've, you know, and, 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 and you are just couldn't be more yeah. unhappy. Like you are so pissed off. Yeah. I, I laugh about that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, bro, yeah. man, this, we're doing okay. You were yeah. doing okay. <laughs> Exactly right. No two ways about it. Yeah. You've multiple times referred to what you're doing now as you used to be on the competition side of racing. Now you're on the business side of racing. And that is, I think, a very apt description. When you first started doing this kind of work about 10 years ago, you made a very clever statement to me, which is you have no ambitions to do a program beyond what somebody's willing to pay for up front. Right. And that defines then what we do. So instead of being the guy that coerces them to do what the program is that I think is going to be best for me, I'm modifying my program to fit what it is that they want to go do. And so uh, at this facility, the reason that job or that a business approach can work is because I have, you know, 25 guys out here who want to do a little of this or a little of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to focus it all on one guy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's now like, you got 20 Tom Figgies. No, 100%. Yeah. 20 Tom Figgies that, that just want to do a little of this or a little of that. Yeah. It's amazing, actually, that part of it. It's the diversity. You know, it's it's gone from all of the resources coming from one spot and being a group of people and equipment that, you know, go racing for a window of time. And then once the funds go, well, that's not a business. All that equipment gets sold and it all moves down. Now I think I'm in a spot where this is a legit business. You know, these are captured people that if, if we can build a little something here, you know, I might even have something to sell in 10 years, which would be cool. Yeah. Did getting bumped change your life? Hell yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was catastrophic at the time. Like, hugely catastrophic financially you know professionally all of that but uh, but in retrospect it was it was a i wouldn't like i say i wouldn't change a goddamn thing it was a great experience it really was Jesus. let's get your wife over here before we bring her in i just want to have one this is a fun thing it'll okay. take two minutes okay. and it may not exist okay all right so the, the, these are these are not necessarily fun memories for you but um all right so the the timeshare salesman never leaves you right during this 2008 season, you have no money to pay for any of the things you're asking for. Right. What is your favorite timeshare salesman barter? <laughs> uh, it would have been, uh, it would have been, uh, I've got a deal put together for next year. And so the plan is going to be, if we can just get through this next race, we can roll this over to next year. You know, I've got a plan for next year. So just. God, you were that guy. No. Yeah. It was awful. Who'd you do that to? Mm. Uh, well, you know, Who'd you do that to? I didn't do it to anybody that was a, a little guy. We'll bleep so, it. We'll bleep it. No, no. So, <laughs> man, I left those guys holding the f***ing chunk it down. <laughs> Honda, eat it. Hey, 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 hey. Shut the f*** up. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Of the guys that I left holding the bag, they were the larger corporations, right? <laughs> okay. So your attitude was, if I'm f***ing the big guy, it's fine. Yeah. The man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Screw him. So you're why I can't get a raise. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Kind of. Still paying it was, off that data. That's dead. right. Man. Yeah. Uh, no, and yeah. I'm, uh, Sorry, but that engine lease from. Uh, at the time, that seemed like that was a. That, 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 sure. That, that's. Nobody I, got hurt there. Yeah. Nobody you, got hurt at. Nobody got hurt at Honda. Pretty much no one did. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and it was that or, or, or not, not try anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was, How quickly do you read this now with your business? Say that again. How quickly do you read that now with your business? The bull. Um, 
You know, I, 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 I don't get, I don't get a lot of bullshit with these guys. I really don't get uh, But you've had, you've, had, you've had guys. Yes. Yeah. So you've had the guys like, oh, no, I was going to, you didn't get the invoice or, uh, yeah. Man, <laughs> I'm telling you, here at the Thermal Club, it's like a, it's like a race the other side of that coin. Okay, yeah. It's, it's like, like, how fast oh, can yeah. I pay That's you? That's a great yeah. problem. Oh, man. Yeah. This I, is like Ferrari Challenge. It, yeah, where they're like, oh, I'm paying my guy more than you're paying your guy. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I brought him cash. I brought him cash. Yeah, yeah seriously. Like, that's a real thing. I'm yeah, telling I can you. see that happening here because it's like, no, I'm the richer guy. Correct. Yeah. Wow. No, it's a good it's, place to be. It's literally a fight. Oh, I'm coming back into this sport. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't chase yeah. anybody. Literally, there's not one single customer that I have to go. It's a race the yeah. other direction. But you've been, you've done stuff outside of Thermal Oh, Club. for sure. So, yeah. So, like, oh, for sure. is your radar a little sharper to people that have like, hey, I've got a deal for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, what the Thermal Club and Tim Rogers. God bless Tim Rogers and the Thermal Club, and please include that in this thing because I'm here to tell you, he's afforded me the ability to tell people no. Nice. And nice. in racing, who? What team says no? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does, yeah. but I get to. Or in video production. Right. Or. Or anywhere where you got to be a whore to make a living, yeah. you just don't I say no. Yeah. And and now I'm I sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. At ten o'clock at night. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. So what what was your best uh, checks in the mail kind of story as you being the timeshare salesman that you were to your creditors? <sighs> That's a good question. My best checks in the mail story. Uh, well, so what we would say in timeshare is you don't sell the steak, you sell the sizzle. Right. <laughs> you this whole dinner <laughs> look at that eating grin and so what I would do that's right that's, look at the little monkey you see what I'm saying it's diversionary tactics you know like popcorn 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 right and then and then the His next thing you know it's gonna be amazing I know and it, it, it is it, it is and then and then I would they would all of a sudden they'd give me tires like it was genuinely I don't know there was one in particular thing that I would do yeah I would just come in and, and tell them my story and give them a good story and and, and we really got to have it and and then the guy would see fit to, to give me tires so if you go into the Firestone rig right now there's a picture of him that's yeah, like for sure do yeah. not yeah. serve yeah. this customer <laughs> <laughs> you're holding your ID like, so they know it's you like, rubber oh, check like, with a copy of the rubber yeah, check yeah, right beside absolutely. it yeah exactly absolutely. right 100% yeah yeah okay. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. Yeah, let's get your wife let's over get your here wife to hear here. the real let's story. All right. Yeah, she's yeah. like, fuck this guy. Meow, 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 meow. I'm finished.
Finding out as I go 